Muppets. Muppets, yeah. Two peas, one pig? No, no, no. Two peas, one tea. SBN. Welcome to Two Peas, One Tea, a Muppets podcast from laughingplace.com. I'm Bill Galsall, and with me is my co-host, Mike Celestino. Hello, thanks for having me back again. Looking forward to talking some more Muppets with you. Oh, it's good to hear from you too there, Mike. Uh, we were just talking off air about how busy Mike has been with, uh, with the parks reopening and uh, with all this content that's coming out and all the extra content that's been created. And it's good to be good to be back here with you, Mike, and talking uh, one of my first loves here, the Muppets, with you. And coincidentally, today is June twenty second, which we are recording this podcast on. And it was on June twenty second, nineteen seventy nine, that our subject for this podcast was actually released, and we're going to be talking about the Muppet movie. That's a crazy coincidence, too, because we did not plan to record this day. We were originally going to plan uh, to record two days ago, and I had to delay it on you because I had to. We went away for the weekend, but um, it ended up being the what is it, forty second anniversary? Forty second anniversary yeah. of the Muppet movie, and and I saw it this morning, and I made a note on a sticky note, and I put it with my show notes. And I was like, oh, I, sh- I should text Mike, and then I got busy. I could busy with other work. It's like, oh, I'll just let them know tonight. But yeah, it was all, it almost seems like it was the perfect, uh, perfect delay because now we're, mm-hmm. we're recording here with, uh, on the, on the anniversary of our, our subject. But uh, before we get into the show and before we start talking about one of the best movies of all and getting to some Muppet news, uh, looking back at June 16th, just a few days ago, uh, was the birthday of Jane Henson, one of the founding members of the Muppet uh, Company and one of the original performers with Jim and former wife of Jim Henson. She passed away on April 2nd, 2013, but on June 16th was her birthday. And coincidentally, on the exact same day as uh, the, Jane Henson's uh, birthday was being celebrated, I had attended the Walt Disney Family Museum virtual uh, event with the Jim Henson Company archives director karen falk and nice. uh it, I, I tell you it was a fun hour i've never done one of these through the the walt disney family museum and it was without a doubt the most seamless virtual event i've ever attended uh it was great we got to sit and listen for an hour uh from the archives director talk about her experiences and about how how jane had been the one who hired her uh mm. just after uh, jim had died and she had wanted you know, Jim's legacy to be preserved. And she's been, uh, the, uh, Karen Falk has been with them since 1992 and continues to work there. And she gave us like a little, a little behind the scenes look at uh, what the archives uh, looks like. And it was a lot of fun. Have you uh, ever done any of the Walt Disney Family Museum events there, Mike? I, I think that I, ha- I feel like I must have in my time yeah. at Laughing Place, although everything is kind of blending together <laughs> because I've been covering so much lately. But um, I'm pretty sure that I have seen. I, I really want to track this one down, though. Is it is it out there to watch still? Is it available on YouTube or something? Uh, it's according to what they said for for members. Yes, you'd be able to access it and then eventually it will go out. Okay. Um, but it, it was she provided a lot of details and, and oh so you know they, what I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you but I, I'm like trying to think back with my history with the Walt Disney Walt Disney Family Museum because I have been up there a few times up in San Francisco yeah. and I did I did in fact attend 
one of these presentations in person. Oh, nice. I was I was trying to remember a virtual one, but I I went to one with uh, the animator uh, who did Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. His name is Andreas Deja, uh, and he did a nice presentation at Walt Disney Family Museum. I, I remember really enjoying it. And then as part of the media, I got a tour basically a private tour with him and like five other reporters of the uh, exhibit that was opening that week. I think it was a Mickey mouse or no, no, no. It was the nine old men exhibit. I'm pretty sure at the Walt Disney family museum. But like I said, so much of this stuff is blending together for me. Um, and and I, I really enjoyed going up there. Every time I go up there, it's, it's a blast no matter what. Well, Mike, I, I will say you have certainly put uh, put to shame my experience where I got to see some pictures on my television there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But this was a Jim Henson one. I would have been even more uh, interested to see that. Well, so what was, what, was I interesting, find what was interesting is that like uh, 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 Miss Falk uh, did uh, about, I would say, 45 to 50 minutes discussing her her role and everything that she's done in order to, to preserve the, the legacy of Jim Henson. She talked about how at one point they were going to build a museum, much like the Walt Disney Family Museum for, for Jim Henson. Uh, and then they realized, well, no, what we should be doing is partnering uh, with other museums, the New York Museum of the Moving Image and uh, the Puppetry Museum out of, uh, out of Atlanta. And they started building these great relationships but what was fascinating to me is like she showed pictures from the archives and showed what it looked like. And so needless to say, after watching uh, uh, the Disney Plus show Prop, uh, Prop Culture, Prop Culture, yeah, uh, you know, I kept thinking, oh, my goodness. OK, so I've got a question. I've got a perfect question. I write it down. I type it into the chat and I say, OK, uh, what is the one mysterious or what is the one uh, piece of material or, or icon or artifact? that you're looking for. And needless to say, my question didn't get picked, but someone else had written uh, before me the exact same question. And she, uh, Miss Falk just sat there and she said, honestly, I can't think of a single thing. <laughs> and, it, and it just floored me. And I thought, oh my, there must be something out there. And she, and even the interviewer had said, oh, there's gotta be something. She's like, no, honestly, I cannot think of a single thing. When I came there in 1992, that we were, we were overflowing with items and, and mm. material. And every day I walk into the archives, I just, I'm, I'm surrounded by so much. Jim Henson had kept so much of his stuff uh, and they were able to track down so much in those early days in the nineties that, that she honestly could not think of a single thing that, that, Oh, we've got to get this in the archives. And uh, she even talked about uh, Brian J. Jones's biography of Jim Henson. And mm -hmm. she talked about working with him and how great it was to, to see how he was using the materials in the archives in order to help tell this story of Jim. But yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, evening. I, I can say it was, uh, it was very informative. It was also very entertaining just to hear the stories of how, how someone who is an outsider comes in to try and preserve the story of, mm. of someone so well-known like Jim Henson. So, yeah. I, I used to live around the corner from, the Jim Henson studios on La Brea in Hollywood. And I would dream about going into the warehouse there where <laughs> I'm sure they have a ton of this stuff from the archives. Yeah. Uh, I've since visited the lot. They, they would do this, you know, you know, about puppet up, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like improv comedy show with puppets hosted by Brian Henson called puppet up. And uh, I've seen a couple of those shows there on the Jim Henson studios lot, but it doesn't getting to see the show doesn't include a tour of the archives, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I would still love I would jump at the chance to get to tour the Jim Henson archives. I think that would be absolutely incredible. Oh, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin in there. I would probably just have to sit for a couple of hours just to think of, mm -hmm. of where exactly I, I would start. Um, yeah, it's, I would love to on my next on my next trip out to Los Angeles, I have this uh, COVID has definitely given me the opportunity to really think about all the things that I really want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, on the next trip to Los Angeles, it's going to be more than just a day or two. It's going to be weeks and I'm just going to hit everything that that's on my list of like 101 million things to see and, mm -hmm. and do in that time. But the Henson 
Henson Studios, even just to drive by, just to get right. my picture in front, just to say, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, there's so much history to that place, too, because prior to Jim Henson, it was the Charlie Chaplin Studios. Yes many many years ago and of course above the Jim Henson Studios company the Jim Henson company sign out there in the front uh, there's a big Kermit the Frog statue but he's yeah. dressed as Charlie Chaplin the tramp character which is isn't pretty that, pretty funny isn't that something that you know Henson comes along and, and they buy the studio historic studio Charlie Chaplin mm -hmm. and there's still that homage that they have uh, to what was there before and yes yet, and even though they're putting their whole new spin on the building and and the lot and everything that they still took the time to to do something like that to say yeah we recognize that there is history here and and we'll we'll make it a part of our our future here so uh, the other thing too moving away from Jim Henson uh, archives and that uh, I was just going over an old story and there was an old story about Disney making a deal with Sony for access to spider-man of course that's the the main headline spider-man will be able to be on disney plus mm. uh there was also mention of other sony films uh jumanji and that are going to eventually make it to disney plus but there was no mention of two muppets properties mm -hmm. uh muppets take manhattan and muppets from space i believe are the two films that are are currently still out in limbo there and i was wondering do you know anything about this mike or have you heard anything I do know what you're talking about, but I don't know the answer to the question why. Uh, that's a legal issue that's beyond me, beyond yeah. my pop culture awareness. Uh, but I certainly would love to see both those movies on Disney+. Plus. Muppets Take Manhattan, I grew up with, loved that movie growing up. And I have a soft spot in my heart for Muppets from Space. I know a lot of people don't care for it. But uh, I enjoy that film. So it has I its fine like moments, I will say that. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I was interested. I uh, I had spent a couple of days just researching and trying to read through the stories uh, about this deal because this was a landmark deal as per usual on the on the clickbait headline. But um, and I couldn't find any reference. I found reference to Jumanji. I found reference, obviously, to the Spider Man, the whole Spider Man world. But there was nothing about the Muppets. And and as I started doing a search through Twitter to kind of track the story. Uh, it appears I'm not the only one who's interested in seeing Muppets from Space and Muppets Take Manhattan on Disney Plus, because there was a lot of discussion about, well, what about the Muppets and why isn't this part of the story? But be something. Well, I, I wouldn't count it out entirely. I feel like if this Disney's making deals with Sony, I feel like it's got to be within the realm of possibility that it might happen. Well, here's open. I mean, I would love to see that Muppets uh, collection expanded with. Uh, at least Muppets Take Manhattan. I mean, I've got my DVD of Muppets from Space, uh, mm -hmm. but Muppets Take Manhattan needs to take its place right in there. Uh, I would so like to see the, the Muppets Family Christmas on there. Oh, are you, are you talking the one where they have the Fraggles and Sesame yeah. Street? They basically, uh, it's everybody, it's like the Avengers endgame of the Muppets. You know, it's got everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Henson even appears in it too. That's right. That's right. I mean, how, how much would it be like? It's like the, the cameo of Stan Lee. So there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, in fact, and I know nobody at my school listens to the podcast, so I can say this freely. Around the Christmas time, one of the things for one of the last days before school goes out for break, I will play the DVD version that I ripped from YouTube several years ago of, uh -huh. of the Muppets Christmas special. And and I spend most, depending on the grade, if it's a really younger grade, grade one or grade two, I have to explain to them who the, the Fraggles are. And they all they can figure out who most of the Sesame Street characters are. Right. Uh, but they always get hung up on who the Fraggles are. I'm like, <laughs> oh, kids. What happened to that? I thought they were doing a new Fraggle Rock show. They keep talking about it. And then uh, I think well, it's coming to Apple TV Plus or something. I think it. Yeah. I don't know if it's there yet. I saw the ad for it. I know. Uh, the original series of Fraggle Rock is on Apple TV Plus because I watched a couple episodes with my kids already. But mm. yeah, I don't know if the new one's out yet or if it's coming this summer. Uh, Great. Yeah, I've got the Blu-ray of uh, the whole original series and I, I love it. I love that show. I mean, it's definitely geared a little bit more toward children than the Muppets yeah. proper. Ah, it's but a good uh, time. It's yeah, a good oh, time. it's terrific. And filmed in the beautiful city of Toronto, Ontario. I did not know that. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. 
there's there's your little there's your little Canadian history there. For okay. You. <laughs> uh, well, that's all we've got from Muppet News, and that brings us in to the main point of our show on the 42nd anniversary of when it was released. We're talking the Muppet movie. Uh, just to give you a little bit of history about the Muppet movie, it was the first feature-length film featuring the Muppets. Uh, directed by James Frawley and written by Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns, the movie was released June 22nd, that's today, on, in 1979, and it grossed over $65 million, and which would have lead on to several sequels that would come out later on. Uh, the film was nominated for two Oscars, Best Original Song, The Rainbow Connection, which we've talked about, I think, on our first episode, how mm. it's gone into the song library, and the uh, best music. And unfortunately, as, as I look back on who won, uh, they won neither of those Oscars. Uh, best song went to a little-known film called Norma Ray. <laughs> Uh, for the song It Goes Like It Goes and The Muppets Lost Best Music to All That Jazz. Now, I've never seen Norma Ray, nor have I ever heard the song, but I have seen All That Jazz. And I, I understand why All That Jazz won Best Music. But <laughs> I'm not sure. Have you seen Norma Ray? Do you, do you have any yes. knowledge of the song? It Goes Like It Goes? I don't know the song. I do know the movie. I remember watching it in college as part of a film class. Uh, it's about union unionizing yeah. at a factory, I think, in New Jersey or something. But uh, I, I thought the movie was pretty good. I don't remember the music, though. <laughs> well, uh, it, it would appear that the song was was better regarded than the Rainbow Connection or perhaps Rainbow Connection split too many votes or <laughs> or whatever. Um, uh, but the movie actually itself, the Muppet movie, was selected in 2009 for the National Film Preservation Board. And I uh, feel like it's one of those movies that has remained in the public consciousness far more than Norma Ray. Uh, maybe all that jazz people still know, but you don't hear people talking about Norma Ray that, that often. Never even knew there was a song called "It Goes right. Like It Goes" until uh, getting ready for this this episode here for our show. Uh, but yeah, I feel like uh, before we really get into the the, the deep dive into the film, uh, the Muppet movie has, has stayed relevant uh, throughout the decades. I remember as a kid, uh, we watched it when it came out on television, and it was you know it was when we got our VCRs, we would tape it, and I remember taking it out to our cottage for the summer, and we'd watch it and and laugh along and most of the jokes I didn't get at the time as an adult I certainly get them better and really appreciate them more mm -hmm. uh, but I, I feel like no matter what the Muppet movie has always stayed stayed relevant and constant as as each decade has passed I mean we're, we're talking since 1979 she's she's doing quite well um, the film itself just to give everybody a brief summary uh, Kermit the Frog is in his swamp and he is uh, singing along, he's playing his banjo, and he's told, well, you should go to Hollywood. And uh, just very briefly, Kermit gets up and, and leaves the swamp, and he goes on this road trip to make it out to Hollywood because he wants to become rich and famous. And along the way, he meets all his friends, Fozzie, Gonzo, uh, Piggy, uh, Dr. Teeth, and the Electric Mayhem, and eventually they make it out to Hollywood, and we see him uh, meet a producer where he gets to sign the standard rich and famous contract and then <laughs> and and going from that I, I will ask you Mike what is what is your feeling or your thoughts on this movie uh, because I have so much to say and I don't want to talk talk constantly yeah. here uh, well I'll start with saying that uh, this movie came out about I guess about six or seven months before I was born so I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I definitely <laughs> watched it a ton growing up. Like, I, I don't even remember how early in my life I would have started watching the Muppet movie. But I bet I've seen it probably at least 30 times, if I had to guess, in my life. Uh, so definitely watched it a bunch. And we rewatched it again this weekend in preparation for this podcast. And I still really enjoy it. It's not my favorite Muppet movie, but... I do think it's the right Muppet movie to be the first Muppet movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, yeah, I get what you, mean. Uh, you know, it is the story. At least Kermit says it's the story of how the Muppets got together, but he, he does say that it's pretty close to how it happened. So <laughs> it's like a 
within the universe of the Muppets, this is like a fictional retelling <laughs> of the Muppets uh, origin story. Um, and, you know, it's just really, really entertaining. I think uh, my one nitpick with the movie, if I had to change anything about it, I think the whole thing pretty much works for me, except for the Doc Hopper French fried frog legs uh, plot, which I, I feel like they they felt like they needed to have an overarching story to go along with, okay, Kermit's traveling cross country and he keeps meeting all these Muppets and they form, you know, they form the troupe and they become famous at the end. And I feel like they had to, they felt like they had to add in this villain and a threat. And it in watching it again this weekend, I just feel like that plot isn't necessary. I think I would have been perfectly fine with this being a little bit more of a sketch comedy type movie where each scene is just a new little segment where they, you know, they meet another Muppet and it's another scene, which is kind of what it is. I just don't, I don't feel like I need the Doc Hopper stuff. That's my one little critique about it. I, I totally, I totally get what you mean about the whole Doc Hopper scenario. Um, in my own experience of, of watching this movie in the past, I remember about 12 years ago, one of my birthdays was actually my brother, Brian, who was on last, uh, on the last show, mm-hmm. uh, he had bought me the Muppet show or the Muppet movie uh, as, as a gift. And, uh, and I remember watching it again since then. And I've watched it, I think probably at least half a dozen, maybe 10 times since, uh, since getting that DVD. And mm-hmm. I just watched it last week too, with my kids and, and uh, the Doc Hopper, like Charles Durning is, he, he's a great actor. And I, for me, I liked it at first seeing, seeing Hopper there. Okay, there's got to be some sort of evil, evil plot to try and stop Kermit. And I, I don't know, maybe less of him instead of uh, for like cut out two or three scenes where he does come in to try and interact with Kermit. Uh-huh. might have worked better um i don't know it's kind of grisly when you think about it like this <laughs> here's the muppet movie and we're talking about how he wants to either turn him into turn him into the spokesperson for his french fried frog legs <laughs> or else he's going to end up getting uh getting served up as the main course and and you think about that it's like is this really what we want to be talking about in this this type of movie but as you said though it's this fictionalized version of how the muppets the Muppets meet and and for me like as much as I, I totally get what you're saying about the whole Doc Hopper side to it I I'm more focused on some of the more sillier parts that just I mean even now still make me laugh that going into the into the bar where he meets up with Fozzie just mm-hmm. the the setup to that and how Fozzie is is doing his stand-up and just how him and Kermit are there and I, I just I thought that was really brilliant how they did that because here we are we've got we've got a couple of years into the Muppet Show where we've got Sesame Street well established and you know these characters are well known but they're willing to take them and put them into someplace new outside of what we're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Do you do you understand what I mean? Like yeah, I just I'm I'm still amazed based on where they started from to what they got put into for their first movie. I thought, I thought it was pretty unique. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just, yeah, like you said, they probably could have made a movie that was more aligned with what we knew already about these characters and putting on the Muppet show or whatever, but they chose to have it be more of a road movie, which at that point we hadn't really seen the Muppets do before. So yeah, it was innovative in that way. Yeah. Um, one thing that the, the Muppet movie is, is well known for is the numerous guest stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you would need a full uh, score sheet to track all the different people that pop up at one point or another. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, it's interesting to see that it's 1979. I guess when we talked about the Muppet show, we talked about our, our favorite episodes on that season one and all the guest stars that came on. And it's 1979, the movies come out and you see the top, some of the top of of Hollywood are like, yeah, I want to be in this scene. I want to be in this part or I want to be in your movie. And and I thought one of the the funniest 
uh, it was the Kermit's going right to the Sleazo club and you see James Coburn just get thrown right out and, mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, who is that? And then you just see James Coburn shoot up and he's like, and I'm the owner. And, <laughs> and it's like, Oh, so that's where we're going. And one of my favorite guest stars comes near the end. And, uh, I, I always thought this was incredible because it was Orson Welles and mm-hmm. having him come in as, as the studio boss who, who is there to give him that rich and famous contract. Uh, and you just see this physical mountain of, of Hollywood icon walk into the, into the shot and, and you see how he can make Kermit and the rest of the Muppets lives uh, far better than anything they've ever been. And I was, Oh, that's really cool. That's Orson Welles. He looks so different from citizen Kane. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw anything on Netflix about the other side of the wind or the, uh, the documentary of they'll love me when I'm gone uh, about Orson Welles, last movie. I haven't watched it, but I know of it. Well, the, the movie itself, the other side of the wind is, interesting to see you know what you know what i have watched this documentary now that you mentioned you have (laughs) i was trying to think back i was like i know this why do i know this story yes i have seen the documentary i have not watched the film itself i if you're a real wells connoisseur sure watch the last film um i think your your best is just stick with the documentary and Mm -hmm. and what really kind of opened up a whole other side of, of the muppet movie here is uh, Wells appearing and you think, oh, wow, they even got Orson Wells. And at the time, as you learn through the documentary, Orson Wells has spent years trying to finish or trying to shoot this film, uh, The Other Side of the Wind. And, and basically he was running out of money and he was, he was desperate for money to try and keep this film going. And so you saw him make a lot of guest starring appearances on shows or, or in particular movies because he needed the money in order to help fuel fuel this dream of of really making the the best film of of his career in the other side of the wind and and so you look at that uh, you see that last scene where he comes in and gives him the contract and they're in his office and everything looks great and you think wow he's so powerful but in reality you know Orson Welles was oh I need to go guest star because I need money in order to make my film because nobody else is is backing me and (laughs) i thought it was interesting how how even though now knowing this side as to why he was really there uh still orson wells projects this this benevolent god-like figure into right onto the screen and you see i don't know even if the muppets too and and the performers you see them kind of almost bow down to the the greatness of orson wells but uh yeah, it was interesting. I love how I love how that that is the last last part of the story before we see them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you see them almost being knighted by by this legend of Hollywood to say that yes, you are welcome here. Uh, you know, the Muppets are a real thing, and just it it almost just a, a torch passing scene in, in my way. But, it is uh, odd to hear Orson Welles say the name Kermit the Frog, <laughs> which is part of the very short line that he has in this film. Because <laughs> he was—he just always struck me as a very self-serious kind of guy. Yeah, I uh, I listened to the the podcast uh, from Turner Classic Music or Movies with uh, uh, with Ben Mankiewicz, and he was interviewing Peter Bogdanovich and. Mm. And they were talking about his friendship with Orson Welles. And you get, you get a real insight based on Bogdanovich's view as a young Hollywood filmmaker working with uh, the, the veteran legend of, of the 1940s. And he, he seemed like an interesting person to be friends with. That's, that's for sure. I won't, uh, I won't get into criticism or anything. I could criticize the other side of the wind. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, it's something. Uh, it's no Citizen Kane, that's for sure. <laughs> or even The Stranger or Othello, but um, well, wow. What, what uh, about The Magnificent Ambersons? <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. I've got I've got my list of movies that I have to highlight. Um, that's that's one of the ones I haven't gotten to yet. But uh, but yeah, I found that it was interesting with with the Muppet movie, how you see this new newish, 
version of a very old medium break through into Hollywood and, and go to the silver screen. And you see, you see so many Hollywood celebrities. You see so many uh, uh, well-known, very public figures who mm-hmm. are all a part of the story to help tell the story of Kermit. Uh, what can I, is, can I list some of the other ones that you didn't uh, get ahead, to? Yeah. I've got yeah. the full list here. Uh, Edgar Bergen, the ventriloquist. Oh my goodness. Yes. Charlie McCarthy was the, the ventriloquist dummy, very famous, uh, pair Milton Burl, uncle Milty oh. was mad man Mooney, the car used car salesman, <laughs> Mel Brooks, of course, as the uh, German professor, Max Krassman. Uh, you said James Coburn, then at the beginning of the film, Don, Tom DeLuise, DeLuise was the agent Bernie in the yeah. swamp. Elliot Gould was the beauty contest uh, announcer. Uh, Bob Hope, of course, sells uh, Gonzo. No, it was Fozzie who buys the ice cream at the carnival from Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Madeline Kahn is in the bar at the beginning. Carol Kane, very famous actress, uh, is a, the, the woman who responds every time Kermit says myth, myth. <laughs> um, you got Cloris Leachman is the secretary for Orson Welles at the end. Then, of course, there's Steve Martin, who is the waiter at the restaurant in the middle of the film. Uh, Richard Pryor, we mentioned as the balloon salesman. Telly, Savalva, Telly Savalas is uh, one of the toughs in the bar. Blofeld himself. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you said Orson Welles. And of course, we can't forget a cameo appearance by Paul Williams, who wrote the songs for the film. He is the piano player in the El Slizo bar. <laughs> oh, wow. Like I said, and you know what? It, there's got to be, I bet if we were to really dig into who's just on the periphery and not even having a speaking line, there's probably more people today that we'd be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, there they are. Uh, what was, I, I particularly liked uh, uh, James Coburn, especially uh, going to that opening there was a, a Western that he did with James Garner, uh, Coburn and Garner, the two Jameses, uh, Hour of the Gun. And uh, uh, it was, I think, he, or is that Jason Robards? Oh, my goodness. Now I'm mixing up my Jason Robards and James <laughs> Coburn. Well, you, you know more than I do. Uh, let's see. Hour of the Hour gun. of the Gun. James Garner plays Wyatt Earp. I'm pretty sure James Coburn is Doc Holliday. You got Jason Robards as Doc Holliday. No! <laughs> I've mixed up my Jason Robards with my James Coburn. Oh my goodness. I've never seen it, but I would like to check it out. It's uh it, it's a good one. I it's it's pre pre tombstone where they kind of look at Wyatt Earp as not just being this super fancy great hero like uh, mm-hmm. Burt Lancaster did at Gunfight the OK Corral with uh Kirk Douglas and uh but James Coburn, and this this is where his James Garner co-star is in Maverick, the 1994 movie. Ah, okay. Where he plays the Commodore. And there is, I remember seeing Maverick in 1994 at the theaters and thinking, oh, this is a great Western. And then my father told me all about how there was Maverick, the TV show, the Western with James Garner. And I thought, oh, well, that's cool. Well, he was in the movie. And then James Coburn, I'd recognized from, from other movies. And I remembered him being in the Muppet movie. And I thought he just always projected this, this, very, uh, this very tough guy on screen. And to see him, uh, you know, coming back to it just a couple of weeks ago to watch the movie, see him be one of the first ones to be thrown out of his own club. Uh, it, it just it makes me giggle for for all those reasons, because in every other film, he's always he's always the tough guy. He's always mm-hmm. the one who's who's in charge. And and I think that's one of the things I particularly liked about this movie is that it engages the audience to think uh, to think that, you know, no matter how tough you are or or whatever, everyone gets through in life and you can see how the Muppets, and this is the, the other thing that I, I loved about this movie is that the Muppets are interacting with everyone else. And they're, they're not, oh, well, you're a puppet or anything. It's just, right. it's what would be, what would <laughs> life be like if we just took them and put them out in the real world and they were actually real? Right. And, it's kind of like an alternate universe where puppets are just part of the, the population. Lands, yeah. Yeah, they're part of they're part of the environment that you would mm-hmm. never second guess and think, 
wait a second, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> and that's and that's one of the things I really like too. And I really like too how how they use the idea of well, why don't you just read the screenplay to figure out where we are? And you can see that come down <laughs> the road of uh, with Spaceballs. Mel Brooks uses it perfectly where they fast forward. Right. Uh, Lord Helmet prepare to fast forward, fast forward, and then they catch up to themselves in the now and. And, you know, Fozzie and, uh, and Kermit and everybody is broke down the side of the road and, and teeth and electric mayhem pull up and they're like, well, how'd you find us? <laughs> well, we just read the screenplay. <laughs> and it's, it's those little jokes that, I mean, I find they just, they stay funny no matter how many times I, I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that particularly appeals to you or if there, there's something else about the film that that stands out you mentioned how it's not the best muppet movie um what... uh, yeah I, I think uh the reason i said that i would say is because the the story is very straightforward it's basically a straight line you know if you're tra- if you're uh graphing the story of this movie it just goes oh he wants to go to hollywood he goes to hollywood you know there's yeah. not much more to it than that and I know I, I complained earlier and said that I wanted the actual story to be cut out. Uh, so I'm guessing I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here, but I do prefer the next Muppet movie, which is called The Great Muppet Caper, yes. which has a little bit of a like a heist type plot and gives the Muppets a little bit more in more of involved uh, story to participate in, I think. But um, yeah, I, I mean, this one, this one's a little bit more pure i think for that reason that's just it's just basically intro- reintroducing the muppets to us and it would be a great a wonderful place for any new muppet fan to start like if you had a kid and you wanted to introduce them to the muppets i don't think a, there's a better place to start than the original muppet movie well here's a question for you mike uh your your knowledge of cinema your experience in film if Let's say 1979 gets fast forward to 2021 and mm-hmm. Henson and the crew and the Muppet show is doing well. It's being broadcast uh, around the world and it's very popular. Do you think the Muppet movie from 1979 gets made today the way it did that? You mean if like, the Muppets like hadn't existed previously? Yeah. If, if instead of 1979, they just started in 2019. And now, a couple of years after the show has been successful, Henson's gone to, to film his, his first movie. Do you yeah. think this is the movie that gets made today? I guess it's, it's so hard to talk about something like that because removing the Muppets from like the cultural landscape yeah. would change that cultural landscape so drastically. But I, I think... Yeah, I think they would probably do a similar thing. Uh, the celebrity cameos would all be like youtube and and tiktok stars or something i don't know and but yes uh, and that yeah yeah <laughs> for sure. instead of instead of like old-timey vaudeville comedians um but yeah i think i think this is the smart way to do the first muppet movie i i, I think so yeah i and you know i i was thinking about that and the reason why i asked you that question is because it was actually part of a conversation my wife and i had and we were talking about how, you know, and we'll get to this down the road in other shows about the more recent Muppet movies. Um, uh, but would this film be the same if Jim Henson was alive today and he was just starting out? And would he make this exact same film today? And I, I think he would. I think he would play up the zaniness. I think, as you said, uh, the celebrity cameos would be nonstop throughout. Uh, but I think he would ultimately tell the exact same story. Uh, I don't. Maybe some of the the detour, maybe it wouldn't be frog's legs or maybe it'd be something else. <laughs> but uh, but I think he would ultimately still try and and tell this road picture story of of Kermit going off to to find his celebrity. Uh, you know, maybe we might have something to do with TikTok or something today and he gets famous that way. But <laughs> uh, but I think ultimately this story still still gets made this way, even if it was just being filmed today, because. Like, as you said, it hits all the points. The The narrative goes in that straight line right across of, oh, someone says you should go do this. He goes and does this. He experiences this. And then ultimately pays off and has a happy ending and all that. 
I do um, think that Steve Martin would play the same character, though. Oh, he would I be think... the, the only one that would carry over. <laughs> and I don't know if it's me, but I don't think he looks, he would look much different. <laughs> right. Like, His hair is a little whiter now. A That's little whiter. <laughs> yeah. But still, I think he would still play that same obnoxious snooty waiter. Uh, but uh, one of uh, one of the other favorite uh, sections, and I sing along to it all the time, and uh, it's it's when Fozzie and Kermit get in the Studebaker and just yes. seeing how, how Jim Henson and Frank Oz interact with each other within that tight, confined space and how they they bring Kermit and Fozzie, you know, to life in that, you know, Fozzie's going on about how he's a bear in his natural habitat, a Studebaker, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it still, it still makes me laugh today. And it, it's funny to see how they interact in the song that they do. Uh, I'm often humming, moving, writing along, uh, especially at work. People, it's been uh, stuck in my head all weekend since, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, since we watched it. I think we watched it Saturday night and, it's now Tuesday evening and it's still still playing through my head. So oh, I will do my yeah. best not to hum or say any of the words. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> it, it, got to the, it got to the point where I downloaded the song and I listened to it at work. And it's uh, it's just one of those I found it's, it's become one of those pick me up songs. And and, you know, everybody talks about the Rainbow Connection. The Rainbow Connection is the Oscar nominated song. I I like the Rainbow Connection. Mm hmm. But moving right along is is without a doubt one of my favorite Muppet songs. It's just, it's got two of my favorite characters, and it's yeah. it just brings up that, oh my god, those two would have been having tons of fun filming in that that Studebaker and and being Kermit and Fozzie and and you know you just see the interaction, you see how they play off of each other, and uh, I think that's probably without a doubt one of my my favorite montage moments throughout the whole film is seeing them in the studebaker uh, yeah i love that scene love the song uh rainbow connection obviously like you said it's the more famous of yeah. the songs but my favorite song from this movie is called i'm going to go back there someday it's the one performed by gone or sung by gonzo while yeah. they're uh, at the campsite in the desert uh i i lose it at that song that's just pure pure emotion to me uh that's that's the one that really sticks in my memory as as moving me the most. And and it how's the best? How can I describe how? Like you get to that point where they're in the desert and he sings it and the way he sings it and and you think all all along as we're building up into the film it's like oh my goodness it's funny it's hilarious and then it, they hit you with Gonzo singing and and it does bring a tear to your eye like like how you know it, it, <laughs> it, it it's it's surprising and even though like you were saying you've seen the film for so many times and i've seen it countless times you get to that point it's still like oh my god like mm -hmm. i gotta i gotta dry my eyes here a little bit because I'm, I'm actually getting tears uh and that's you know i think one of the beautiful parts of the muppets is that you know it's just puppets whatever but what henson and all the performers uh were able to do is to turn these felt creations on their hands into these living sentient beings that you know would bring a tear to your eye depending on on what they say or or make you laugh out loud however they they set up the joke and and that's interesting yeah it's uh the, the film is filled with contradictions in many ways because you see the rainbow connection as that, you know, super positive song. You see the funniness of, of him and Fozzie and then Gonzo just floors you uh, <laughs> right, right in the middle. I mean, it's unexpected for sure. And some of the other songs I want to mention, because they're I think they're all great, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Never Before, Never Again is kind of like the romance movie parody song. That <laughs> sequence is really, really funny. Um, I, I feel like that when I was a kid, I always thought that was like the boring part. But watching that sequence again this weekend, I was cracking up when when they're like running at each other in the field. And then Piggy like kind of tackles Kermit and like pushes him back. And Kermit's like looking behind him to make sure he's not crashing into anything. That's really funny. And then the song that Kermit and Ralph sing together called I Hope That Something Better Comes Along is pretty funny, yeah. too, in the bar. And then the. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem song is Can You Picture That? It's just the big like rock 
number that's really catchy and wonderful as yeah. well. And and then the finale song is is very moving too. I mean, it has it has probably my favorite line of anything from the movie, which is "Life's like a movie." Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. Uh, put that on my tombstone. You know, that's that's the. Uh, <laughs> That's the mission statement of Jim Henson and the Muppets right there. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and to think as, as you're, you're, you're talking about that final number, that's, that was the cherry on, on the rest of, of the film. And, and it almost, you know, when you watch it and you don't think about all the other movies that come afterwards, it, you almost got to wonder if Henson was, yeah, I've got this one chance and I'm going to, I'm calling my shot out to left field and I'm swinging away, even if I've got ball three and no strikes, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's just, wow, that was a great baseball analogy. I just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, and it's, it shows throughout the film. And, and this is another thing that really stood out to me as I'm watching the movie is that it, as you mentioned with the narrative, yeah, straight line right across at the same point, he was he was really swinging for the fences on everything and wanted uh even the electric mayhem's rock number in the church there like he didn't need to go to that level right then but thought yeah i'm going to do it because i want to put everybody in this and i want i want to showcase everything that we can do and as as the box office and the critical reception proved it was it was a major success uh, it only further cemented his his reputation as oh my goodness he's on the level of Walt Disney with his <laughs> his uh, creations and his talent and creativity. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned you mentioned the last the the last song the number in there. I hadn't even really thought about it. You know, watching it this weekend, it's like oh, it's always nice. But yeah, it it really does kind of sum up everything Henson Henson has ever put forward before. And, and right there on film for everybody to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the Muppet movie, still a classic. <laughs> still a classic 42 years later. A lot of fun. I recommend it. It's available on Disney+. Plus. It is available on Disney+. Plus, and uh, in this day and age when it seems like DVDs are going out of style, you should still go buy a copy uh, because it's always good to have a hard copy. Anyway, I, did, so. I, I own the very first DVD of this movie that ever came out. <laughs> so, oh, really? Uh, I don't even remember what year that would have been, but um, I'm not even sure if it was like anamorphic or what, but, but it's still there collecting dust and my nice. shelf. <laughs> oh, there's that's, that's fantastic. I, uh, I'll say this. I just ordered from eBay, the collector's edition of Casablanca. And, uh, and I will admit this right now as to why I bought it. It's the 80th anniversary and it comes with a bunch of uh, replica, uh, posters and some telegrams or something. Mm -hmm. And it comes with a luggage tag that says Casablanca on it. And it comes with a passport holder that has Casablanca on it. And I thought, this is what I need to buy. <laughs> I need <laughs> as much as I want the movie. I want the props and I want the, uh, the, the little, little souvenirs that come with it just <laughs> so I can put on my bag and say, yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I think that finishes our wrap up here of, of the Muppets. And that brings us into our poll for, for this episode. And Mike, I'm actually a little surprised based on our last episode. Um, my uh, my choice of Muppets Tower of Terror uh, seemed to have won over Muppets Big Thunder Mountain. And <laughs> after I cast my vote for me, uh, I had regretted it and I wanted to vote for yours because the more I started thinking about it, the more I want to see a Muppets Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> uh, because that well, just... well, we got some Western elements in the, the original Muppet movie because there's that showdown at the ghost town. <laughs> With uh, giant the... animal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still. I would love to see, I would love to see Muppets Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> uh, but for this week, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, solo movies or their own origin story movies for the Muppets. And who would you like to see a solo movie of for the Muppets, Mike? If you had asked me this 20 
plus years ago, I would have said Gonzo because he's always been my favorite of the Muppets, but he kind of got a movie with Muppets from space. They Mm kind of gave him a little bit of an origin story there, you know, love it or or hate it or whatever. Uh, That was the Gonzo movie. So I'm going to say I would like to see a rock and roll biopic type movie about Dr. Teeth and the electric mayhem. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of a genre unto its own. You got like, like the doors by Oliver Stone or, even like walk the line, that kind of movie, but about the history of the electric mayhem. Cause when we see them in this movie in the Muppet movie, they're already together. So I want to see the story. I want to rewind time on that and find out how the, <laughs> how the electric mayhem found each other. That, that is uh, an awesome idea because as, as you say, when we roll up to the church, they're all together. They've got a tour bus. Uh, yeah, that didn't just happen overnight. So who who formed the group? You know, I could almost see it. OK, adding to that, extrapolating from that, it's okay. almost it's almost famous with the electric mayhem. And Scooter oh. Oh. is the is the kid from almost famous. Not not the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, but no, I forget. I forget who plays William, the kid. Um, uh, yeah. He was in Gone Girl. The character's name is William Martin, I think. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah. who I'm talking about, but that's oh, going to yeah. be Scooter in the movie because he's kind of their roadie. So yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I would pay <laughs> to see that opening night. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw Walk the Line. I did see Almost Famous. Uh, uh, wow. I want to see how do they bring the electric mayhem together? Who brings them together? Uh, is it Teeth? Is it Janice? Uh, yeah. And here's the other thing. I want to know their origin names before he takes on the name Dr. Teeth. Okay. It's probably You don't, something you don't like, think that's his real name? I don't think. I, I bet <laughs> okay. you had something like Nigel or something, you know? Uh, <laughs> okay. That, that's pretty, uh, that's actually a pretty funny idea. If he, if he starts out kind of like a dork, like yeah. a very like reserved meek character and then he takes on this persona of dark dr teeth that's much more like out there and uh you know <laughs> rock star i uh yeah i want to see that movie um okay well you know what i'm not i'm not sure if i'm gonna vote for mine i'm thinking i'm gonna have to vote for yours because <laughs> uh yeah mine doesn't come up on that level but my origin story and it uh i i think it would pair nicely up to Kermit going into the El Salizo Cafe. Mm-hmm. I want to see an origin story of Fozzie. I, okay. want to, I want to see Fozzie as he grows up. And I want, to see, I want to see when he gets into comedy. I want to see his early struggles. <laughs> I, I want to see... I, I, am, I almost want to see a lighter version of the King of Comedy uh, uh, type film. Um, you know, and, or, or maybe man on the moon a la with Fozzie. And then what I ideally, you know, we see uh, Fozzie struggle throughout his time. And then he gets, he finally, he goes the the interview. Yeah. We're going to hire you to perform every single night here. He's great. And I could just see the ending of the movie now. And you see him, I can't wait to start my comedy career. And he walks in through the El Slezo cafe Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the movie ends right there. And we kind of see a, a, a pairing of him kind of almost rogue one. You know, we see the end where, right. Uh, you know, they're like, they run through, we've got the plans. And then we see princess Leia turn around, even though it's uh, uh, CGI and all that. But I, I want to see that level of what happens with Fozzie, because I think it would be interesting. I kind of like what we were saying with Dr. T. I wonder if Fozzie was always into comedy or was he a serious actor? You know, oh. and he was always trying to be the dramatic actor mm. or, or uh, you know, something along those lines. And he just ends up making people laugh. And so he figures, oh, I'm a, I'm a comedian. And then when he goes and intentionally tries to make people laugh, nobody laughs. So, so I can almost see this if you want to take a much darker turn with this. It could almost be like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if we need to go that dark. <laughs> No, but I was going to say, uh, did you ever see uh, Kermit Swamp Years? I, I have not. Have I um, missed out on that one? No, or? it's not. It's not great, but it, it is 
sort of what you're talking about, but with Kermit instead of Fozzie. So this is, would be kind of like a companion piece to that. So we get to see uh, in that one, it's Kermit and when he's still in the swamp. So this is Fozzie before he meets Kermit kind of thing. Yeah, I like it. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm still liking this rock and roll biopic of Electric Mayhem. Um, I, that's that's something I would pay to see. I'll you get a little almost famous in there. You get a bit of the doors. You maybe get some of the personality <laughs> conflicts from Walk the Line. Right. Uh, yeah, that's and Scooter too. Scooter's got to be the road. And you know, uh, there's a bit of uh, Elton John and Doctor Teeth as well with the feather and the glasses and oh, stuff. Yeah. So it's almost kind of a little bit of Rocket Man too. Oh boy. Yeah, you're swinging. You're swinging for the fences this week. I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, we'll see. We'll see what our few followers have to say about this and see who comes up the winner on that one. Uh, but thanks a lot, Mike, for um, uh, for coming along, coming back and talking about the Muppet movie. Uh, is there anything you want to uh, to mention as to what's coming up or what we should be following along on Laughing Place? No, just always uh, adding more Star Wars content. I review pretty much every issue of every Star Wars comic book that comes out, a bunch of the novels, most of the novels almost all the novels, <laughs> uh, then a bunch of theme park videos and coverage and live streams. Uh, it just never ends. And it's all a lot of fun. And I recommend going to laughingplace.com to check it all out. Excellent. And I am just about to buy the second hardcover book by Kevin Scott. Uh, I think it's available today. I think it's available. Uh, uh, well, it's a week, a week from today here. I'm not sure about uh, in Canada if it's different. But... Oh, I hope it's not next week. Oh no. <laughs> I've got oh, I tell you, everything's kind of blending together. I um I had to go, I went to take my car to the uh complete total sidebar here, but I went to take my car to get uh get an oil change today. And I thought, great, I got there early. Turns out my appointment was for tomorrow, but they still ended up doing it anyways. <laughs> and my wife and I had been furiously checking for the last couple of days because our eligibility for the uh second dose of COVID-19 vaccine came up. And so we've been refreshing and appointments like, oh, one available at 1015. And you go to plug in all your personal data and then, oh, this has already been taken. So we, we spent a good solid two hours today and we were able to finally get it on the eighth try. And uh, oh man, I was really counting on going out and buying that Star Wars book tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may oh. have to wait an extra week for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, that's okay. There's there's a few other things. Well, I, I did do a, a half hour interview with Kevin Scott, which will be on my podcast. Who's the boss? Uh, not this week, but next week. Excellent. I uh, I loved uh, uh, Charles Soule's book, and I haven't got into the comics yet. I'm waiting for the omnibus to to be put out, and I can just read them all at once. Oh uh, gosh, the, the comics this year are so good. That this War of the Bounty Hunters crossover event they're doing i am loving it so far yeah. i'm like chomping at the bit to get the next one every day oh, nice. every week uh yeah it's it's good stuff nice well i'm looking forward to when they bound them all and put them all out as a, as a big hardcover book that'll yeah. be that'll be very nice uh, it's like 30 something total issues that's going to cross over with war of the bounty hunters so wow uh, yeah definitely look forward to that that's a major wow that's incredible um I guess the only other thing I'll say is uh, I was had the chance to review the Mysterious Benedict Society for uh, Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes out this Friday, and um, it, it was interesting. I read the book beforehand because I wanted to see how how the book would be adapted because I'm heavily invested in the whole idea of, of Disney Plus uh, rebooting the Rick Riordan, uh, Percy Jackson books for a show, and I wanted to see. Okay, well this this is a super popular book series from many years ago. How is it going to come out on the screen? And uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I found the book to be oddly strange and extremely fascinating and quite enjoyable. And, mm -hmm. and the adaptation itself, um, uh, it, it hits all those perfect notes. Uh, you know, it's, it's present day what's happening and there's a great emergency, but nobody knows what it is, but we're all panicked and worried. And, you know, it's a world where the cars look old fashioned, but yet they have satellite TV, but they're answering the phone on a rotary dial phone. Uh, <laughs> so it's like it's one of those weird schisms of a parallel universe, but it's not. But it kind of is. And 
yeah and tony hale he plays uh he plays the dual role of good guy and bad guy and it's oh, it's fantastic i'm um, mm-hmm. looking forward to that coming out and seeing more seeing how the rest of the uh the show uh, adapts the book uh, because it uh, is quite the material i don't know i have high hopes for it high hopes for sure and Great. you can check out my review on laughingplace.com right now uh but other than that you know any theme park information uh comics movies books disney plus hulu uh, anything on ABC, check it all out at laughingplace.com where multiple people are regularly writing away and putting up new stuff all the time. But uh, that, that is it for today. Anything else, Mike? I think I'm good. I think I'm good too. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for episode four of Two Peas, One Tea. We will see you again in the next few weeks. Take care, everybody. Bye. you say i thought it was dumb maybe you're right